Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to add my welcome to those you've already heard this morning and thank you for being here at First Presbyterian Church this morning. It's good to be in the Lord's house. As they said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our scripture lesson for today, which can be found in your bulletin as well as possibly on your electronic device, or even if you brought your own Bible with you today, comes from Psalm number 16. We're going to read the entire Psalm. It's only 11 verses, but we are going to be considering how King David is describing the passions and the deep-rooted affections of his heart. But if you will, please read along as I read aloud from chapter 16 or the 16th Psalm. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. The drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I ask that today, with everything that is happening in our world, that right now you would keep me on message, that you would guard me against distractions as I read and as I preach your word. Lord, we ask that you would speak, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. I don't need to tell any of you in this room or watching us online that there is so much happening in our world right now. I do not feel like there could be more weight on one Sunday's worship, or honestly, I'll go ahead and confess to you, I'm a little undone by, by what I feel like is the weight of the necessity of this moment in preaching. There's so much going on with our election, with, with the pandemic, with just what's going on, as I know, in your personal lives. And it's, it is definitely a weight that I know that all of us are feeling in these days. 2021 will be the 175th anniversary of First Presbyterian Church's ministry. And right now I'm going to say that I believe that San Antonio needs First Presbyterian Church more than ever. But here's the good news. The good news is that the Lord has made us for this moment. 
As faithful Mordecai said to young Esther, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Our God has made us by his grace. He has made us by his love and he has made us by his faith. And as the apostle Paul wrote, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, over the last 175 years, God has given each generation the resources it needed, the vision it needed, the mission it needed to fulfill God's mission in its own time. And now is our moment. Today we're talking about how God has shaped us in this moment. In his best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren explains that God has shaped us and he's given each one of us a unique shape for his mission. Now the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, is an acronym. And Warren uses it like this. The S stands for spiritual gifts. The H for heartfelt passions. The A for abilities. The P for personalities. And the E for experiences. And God has equipped us for this moment with customized spiritual gifts, with customized heartfelt passions, with customized abilities, with customized personalities, and customized experiences for his work in his mission at this moment. Now, last week, Mitchell talked about the S of our shape, our spiritual gifts that God gave to each of us for building up the body of Christ. This week... I get to talk to you about the H, about heartfelt passions. And I do not think that this sermon, this, this timing could be any more appropriate. Do we not live in a time of intense passions right now? A time of intense feeling, of intense movements, of just intensity. Let's take a look at what Warren has to say about this. About heart, about heartfelt passions, Warren writes this. The Bible uses the term heart to describe the bundle of desires, the hopes, the interests, the ambitions, the dreams, and affections that you have. Your heart represents the source of all your motivations, what you love to do and what you care about most. The Bible says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. Your heart reveals the real you, what you truly are, not what others think you are or what circumstances force you to be. Your heart determines why you, are, or why you say the things you say and why you do the things you do, why you feel the way you do and why you act the way you do. Repeatedly, the Bible says to serve the Lord with all your heart and God wants you to serve him passionately and dutifully. Close quote. The word passion is a word that we hear a lot these days. From books to Instagram posts, from influencers and gurus telling us to follow our passions, whether that passion is to, to, is to act or is to art or is to travel or for some social or environmental cause or politics or love, whatever it is, we are supposed to, according to the wisdom of the day, follow our passions. But we need to understand that a passion is not just a feeling or a desire. It is a feeling or a desire that is strong enough to move you. 
Author Will Mancini says that our passion is like the wind that drives a sailing ship. A passion moves you. And heartfelt passions are those driving interests, pursuits, vocations, and burdens that have the power to move you, to move us to action. They have the power to move us to commit time and spend money and leverage resources and activate talents and abilities. Passions are powerful enough to involve your relationships and affect your sense of self-worth and your perception and your own sense of your identity. So at this point, we need to ask, what are the passions that move us? Well, there are four levels I want us to use to describe our passions. These are interests, pursuits, vocations, and burdens. Now, these are how we might describe these levels. First, I believe that God has given us all interests. These are the things about which we say, well, this looks interesting. You know, these include the curiosities and activities that you enjoy, things you do for fun, and what you check out when you get a free moment. You know, news, events, shopping, sports, cooking ideas. You know, if you don't know what you're interested in, check your, check your uh, Google page or your web feed on YouTube. It'll tell you. Those algorithms have figured out what you're interested in, where you like to shop, what kind of clothes you like to wear, what sports you pay attention to, what political interests you have. They've already figured it out. They'll collect it all for you. If you don't believe that, check your checkbook or check your bank account, your spending habits. You'll see the things that you're interested in. And so our interests are those things, though, that just that sort of raise a mild curiosity in our lives. That is distinguished from what we would call our pursuits. God gives us pursuits. These are the things that we say, I want to try this. I want to commit a little bit of myself and maybe a little more to this. These are the sort of, sort of things uh, of work and play that you do and that you plan for in advance, that you look forward to, maybe a bigger commitment like travel or study or home projects or hobbies or volunteer work or photography, writing, hiking, biking, bird watching, gardening, golf, college sports, whatever it is. These are the things that you, you say, you know what? I really am interested in these, not just in a casual way, but I'm actually gonna pursue this like a hobby, like a, like a avocation, like a, you know, some other type of pursuit that you might enjoy but it start it begins to reflect a commitment to these things where you become where you begin to identify yourself perhaps as a golfer as a hunter as a photographer maybe that's not what you're doing for a living but you're taking it to that next next level and you want to see some development in that level next god gives us what i'm calling vocations not vacations vocations vocations are those things about which you say, I was made for this. You ever seen a, an athlete who's playing a sport and you just know, oh, wow, he was made for this. She was made for this. The spirit of vocation is epitomized by the words of Eric Little, the 1920s Olympic runner and missionary made famous in the movie Chariots of Fire. When asked why he trained so hard to be an Olympic runner, he said, I do it because when I run, I feel the Lord's pleasure. Our, our vocations are those things that, that make us feel alive as well as helping us to make a living. Your, your vocation is that point at which what you love becomes a career or becomes the center pole of your life. 
Maybe it's medicine, maybe it's ministry or military service or buildings or business or, or building or business or law or engineering, teaching, professional artists, musicians and athletes. This is something you don't just do in your spare time. You plan your life around it. It's your job. Maybe it's career oriented, like an, amb an ambition to be the best in your field or your profession. Or maybe it's re relationship oriented the desire to build your life around being a mother, a father, a husband, a caretaker for your family or your tribe or your country. This is when you build your life around that passion. But finally, there's a fourth type of passion that's so important. God gives us burdens. Burdens are those passions about which we say, I have to do this. I've got no choice. These are the things that keep you up at night. They are the places of pain or imperfection in the world that you can't let go of. You know, whereas a vocation is the kind of passion that you build your life around, a burden is something that comes along out of nowhere and knocks you off center. Maybe it's some injustice. Maybe it's some great need. Maybe it's some incredible opportunity to do good. You see a problem or an injustice or a situation and you can't live without doing something about it, even if it interrupts your interests and your pursuits and even your vocation. Burdens bother you to the point that they move you. Now the power of heart and passion is sometimes more easily described than defined. And I believe that's what King David was doing in Psalm 16. You know, I love Psalm 16 because it's a psalm of heartfelt passion. Listen to how David describes his heartfelt passion for the Lord. He says, I have no good apart from you. I can't live without God. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. He's saying there that the Lord gives him focus. He's, his heartfelt passion is his source of direction. He says, also my heart instructs me. And finally, he says, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells. His heartfelt passion is his source of delight and purpose. It's what makes him glad. And so in summary, David says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is uh, David is describing his relationship with God in terms of his heartfelt passion for God. And you see what it does. We can't live without it. It gives him focus. It gives him direction. And it gives him delight and peace. Now, in Psalm 16, David was describing a passion oriented toward the Lord. But what happens when we substitute something else in the place of God? When we substitute something else in his, for his word or our identity in him or our mission in, in his purposes? What happens when we allow our passion for other priorities to take the place or supersede our passion for Christ? Then it looks something like this. We can't live without it. I have no good apart from it. It begins to give me focus. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. It becomes my source of direction. And my heart starts to follow it. 
It becomes my source of delight and peace. It is what makes my heart glad. In summary, these things become the driving passions, the driving forces of our lives. And what happens when we substitute any other it for God? It makes known to me the path of life. It's present, in its presence, there is fullness of joy, and at its right hand are pleasures forevermore. See the danger there? Passions move us. But sometimes our passion is for something other than for God. David was a man of passion. And when that passion was directed toward God and to his people, it made him fruitful and faithful and a formidable king. But when David allowed himself to be blown off course by the passions of temptation and sin, it made him dangerous and weak. Here's the challenge. Like a wind driving a ship, a godly, heartfelt passion blows us toward God and toward his people and toward our neighbors in love. An ungodly passion blows us away from our neighbors and away from one another and away from God. It does matter which way the wind is blowing and which winds and and the wind to which we have set our sails. Now the problem for David, as for us, is in our discernment. Do we know what a godly, heartfelt passion looks like? Do we know what ungodly, perverted passion looks like? Do we know the difference? I said at the beginning that we are living in a moment of extreme passions right now. Election day is Tuesday. And I want to say that I believe that there's a lot of ungodly passion and our politics right now. How do I say that? Why do I know that? Is politics, is is this race, are the things going on in our culture right now blowing people together or apart? Blowing us towards God or towards idols? Blowing us together as a church, collecting us together, or separating us as the body of Christ? It's all starting to come to a head. Merchants are already downtown pre-boarding, pre-boarding up their stores in anticipation of unrest. Right now, we are in great danger of being blown by some very ungodly passions. And I want to ask all of us to check our own hearts in that. Is your passion for politics godly or ungodly? Is it moving you closer to God, closer to to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and closer to your neighbors? Or is it blowing blowing you apart from them? Passions can cut both ways. They are powerful enough to move us in the right direction or in the wrong direction. And yet, even with that risk, time and time again, we see that the life of faith our discipleship and restoration in Christ 
is not just a matter of the head. It is a matter of the heart. Today is, in addition to being All Saints Sunday, it's also Reformation Sunday. Today is the day that we, as the church, as the Protestant church, remember that Martin Luther brought forth and brought into the spotlight the idea that it's not just enough to know the routines and the rituals and the actions of the church. It is also something that must affect our hearts. That we have a personal faith from a personal God reflecting his, reflecting his personal love for us. And that should move us. The great American Protestant uh, Puritan preacher and theologian Jonathan Edwards taught fervently about the importance of what the old theologians called the affections. He wrote this, on the one hand, where there is heat without light, there can be nothing divine or heavenly in that heart. But on the other hand, where there, there, where there is a kind of light without heat, a head stored with notions and speculations with a cold and unaffected heart, there can be nothing divine in that light. That knowledge is no true spiritual knowledge of divine things. If the great things of religion are rightly understood, they will affect the heart. They will move us toward God, towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, and towards our neighbors. Again, Warren wants us to understand that our heartfelt passions are one of the gifts that God gives us to mobilize us in this moment. Our passions, our heartfelt passions are a force that God uses to move us. So back to the analogy of a ship. How is God blowing us and in what direction is God blowing us for the sake of his, per of his people and this city in this moment? So here's something I want you to do as an exercise. I want you to take a stab at honestly identifying your passions. And we're going to use something that Mancini calls the, the funnel. First, I want you to, to list five or so of those interests, those casual interests that you have. Those things you, where you say, this looks interesting. Second, I want you to list four things that you are excited about and that you are pursuing Maybe with more depth, you're making some investment of time or money or, or, or study in. Third, list your two or three vocational passions. The things about which you say, I was made for this. I really can do this. But finally, I want you to list one or two things for which you are burdened. The things that bother you the things that move you, and the things that honestly you just can't ignore much longer. What are those burdens? And once you've started to, to identify those levels of your passions, now ask yourself this question. Are these things moving you closer to the Lord, closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ, closer to your neighbors, or are they moving you farther away from those things? What are those interests, pursuits, vocations, and burdens that you feel like you can't live without? What are the things that give you focus? What are the burdens that give you direction? What are the vocations and burdens that give you delight and peace? 
Are your chief burdens, your chief vocation, your chief interests, all these things, are they moving you closer to God, closer to one another, closer to your neighbors, or farther from them? Now, I want you to look at the ones that you feel are moving you closer to Christ, the ones that are godly, closer to this community of faith and your neighbors, and I want you to ask yourself, how does God want me to use these passions for his purposes in this moment? How's he taking all of those interests, all of those pursuits, all of those vocations out there and all those burdens, and how is he using them to move you, to move you what to do, to move you what to say, to move you what to give? How's he moving you to pray? How's he moving you to worship? How's he moving you to serve? And I know right now you're thinking, well, there are lots of things that I like to do but I don't see how they could ever become a platform for ministry. I have a good friend back in South Carolina. His name's John Shirouse. John was a longtime scout leader. He was a naturalist. He, he knew everything about, about bears and, and bees and birds and all those sorts of things. And he would, he would, take, he would take groups of, of not only scouts, but garden clubs and all these people on these great nature hikes and things like that. And then one day, through some work through our church, he met a group of kids in a public housing area called North Augusta Gardens. And he found this little group of kids and he just felt like, and he said, I don't know where this came from, but I felt like they needed a Cub Scout troop. He said, and I've always loved scouts and I was starting to love these kids. And somehow, God brought those interests, those passions together with this group of people. Your passions become a platform when your passions become compassion. That is to say, when it's no longer just your passion, it's when it's a passion that you want to share, when it blows you closer to other people, closer to one another in the church, and closer to God. What moves you? How is God putting you in a position to use your passion as a platform for his truth, for his love? Maybe you've got a passion for teaching children. Maybe you've got a burden for serving people who don't have what they need. Maybe you've got a passion for music or to build or a passion for hospitality and getting people together. Maybe you've got a burden for marriages or a burden for frontline essential medical workers. Maybe you do have a burden for this election and for politics. But how are you going to use that to move closer to Christ? To move closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ? And to move closer to your neighbors? I believe that God is moving us, the people of the church, to mobilize for this moment. So I want you to think about all those interests, all those pursuits, all those vocations and all those burdens. And I want to ask you this. If something moves the heart of God, shouldn't it move the hands of God? We are the body of Christ, so that means we are his hands. Discipleship is when faith gets mobilized. It's when we go beyond passive belief. We take up the cross, giving our lives for the sake of others. It's when our passions become platforms and become compassion. 
And we are no longer just hearers of the word, but doers of the word in response to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. How is God moving you? He has put in you interests, pursuits, a vocation, and burdens that he has given to no one else. I believe that just as much as San Antonio needs First Presbyterian Church, First Presbyterian Church needs you. We need your passions. We need your interests. We need your pursuits, your vocation. And we need you to be moved by your burdens. God has given us these gifts, and he's calling us to use them for his purposes.